Okay, we're here in Florida today, and where there's Florida, there's lots of water. We got the Atlantic, we got the Gulf Coast, we've got the land of lakes, we've got swimming pools in about a high percentage of families. Uh, we've got kids' pools open this summer. So today we're going to be talking about water safety, drowning prevention, but more specifically water safety. And we have a special guest in the field of youth safety, and with who's with Safe Kids of Northeast Florida. She is the prevention coordinator for Wolfson's Children's Hospital here in Jacksonville, Florida, and she's the coordinator for Safe Kids of Northeast Florida. So please welcome Jessica Winberry. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Jessica, please uh, share with a little bit about your specialty and uh, what kind of services you do provide. Yeah. So here at the Player Center for Child Health, our goal is to really keep kids healthy, safe and out of the hospital. And so the primary goal that we have here is to prevent those unintentional injuries. So we know that accidental injuries or unintentional injuries are the number one killer of our kids under the age of 19. So there's lots of things we can do to try to prevent kids from being injured or seriously, um, seriously hurt. Okay. So I'm a parent with a young child, uh, doesn't need to know a thing about swimming. What do I need to do to drown proof my child? Okay. So I will tell you first, there is no drown proofing anybody. So no matter what we do, there's no way we can 100% drown proof our child. What we want to do is provide multiple layers of protection to, to help safeguard our child. And so swim lessons might be one of those multiple layers, um, protecting our kids from being able to get outside to our pool using door locks and alarms, um, pool alarms. So multiple things are required to help really protect our children when it comes to, to water and the vast amounts of water that we deal with here in Florida. Okay. We may not think about this, but let's start with the bathtub. You know, that's a, that's not that they're learning to swim in the tub, but that's water and water safety again, too. Yep. So that's typically where we see kids under that first year of life. If there is a drowning that occurs in that first year of life, it usually happens in the bathtub. And so we remind parents, as simple as it sounds, never to leave their child alone in the bathtub. And that means not leaving them alone um, at all and then not leaving them in the care of another older sibling. So a six, seven, eight-year-old is not going to be able to care for and know to keep safe a smaller child. So we never want to knowingly leave them alone in the bathtub for any reason, even for what would seem to maybe be a minute or so. And then we also want to make sure when we're done with the bath that parents or caregivers drain the water from the bathtub because even a crawling baby can regain access to that water if they want to. So we want to be really cautious anytime and never, ever, ever, even for a second, leave a baby or a small child in a bathtub alone. Okay. Sounds gross, but what about a toilet? It does sound gross, but it's also kind of exciting when you don't really know what it is. So we see a lot of our toddlers, um, toddler, you know, age and size, you know, it's exciting. They go into the bathroom, stick something in the toilet and watch it swirl around. And as they go to look into a toilet, remember small children have a really heavy head. It's, it's, it's disproportionately heavier than the rest of their body. So when they lead with their head, they fall with their head. And so oftentimes what happens is toddler age kids go in, look in that toilet and they fall head first into the toilet. And then they don't have the, the height to put their legs back on the ground and get themselves out of the toilet. Okay. Let's get back in the swimming pool. What's a good age to start learning how to swim? 
So the American Academy of Pediatrics has a couple different recommendations. So we absolutely want to be starting swim lessons by the age of four. So most kids are really ready to um, start formal swim lessons at four. Um, but if you you know have a child over the age of one, it's a great idea to do some types of um, you know different types of swim lessons or some swim lessons even at that age. It's a opportunity to talk to your pediatrician and um, kind of discuss with your pediatrician what your child may be ready for. All kids are developmentally different. Um, so we want to make sure that these are, you know, developmentally appropriate classes for those ages. So after the age of one, the American Academy of Pediatrics is looking at um, advising parents to, you know, to talk to them about what might be most appropriate for them at those ages. Okay. What about flotation devices? Um the water wings, um, the tubes, things like that. Uh, what should we be teaching our kids about these types of things and how safe are they? Yeah, that's a great question. So we see a lot of times products related to some of the injuries we see. So the only life-saving device is going to be a Coast Guard-approved flotation device. A Coast Guard-approved flotation device will be clearly marked that has been certified by the U.S. Coast Guard. There are several different types of those kind of flotation devices. So um, when parents or caregivers are looking at something to use for their child and they want it to be a life-saving device, it needs to be Coast Guard approved. So from there, there will be heights and weights associated with those products. So anything that's going to keep someone afloat is going to have a weight associated with it. There are other products that can be purchased, um, like what you're referring to, little arm swimmies that don't have heights and weights associated. They may slide on the child's arm, um, little inner tubes that are flotations. I've seen rafts. What we see, unfortunately, happen with some of those things is we've got a child that does or doesn't know how to swim and is using one of those flotation devices that is not going to stay on them. And that item either slips out of their hands, slips off their arm, they slip out of, and then we have this child that doesn't know how to swim or maybe isn't a proficient swimmer, and they're out in the water with nothing keeping them afloat. So we've actually seen, um, you know, unfortunately, some circumstances where those devices are being used and that child is out in the middle of the pool. And what happens when those slip off is that child quietly slips under the water. So we know that drowning is, is silent. We are not hearing screaming or splashing. And oftentimes it goes unnoticed until somebody finds that child at the bottom of the pool. Scary story. My uh, son, a long time ago, was uh, two years old, I believe. And he just, we were at a pool at a party. Um, and there were a lot of people standing around and he was in the water, but he was on the step and he was actually holding on to the railing. But he took that second step and went off his hand, let go of the railing. And all we saw from a distance was just a head swirling around. And fortunately, somebody stepped in, reached down and pulled him out within a matter of seconds. But it was a very eye opening, scary experience of how silent it is and how quick it is. And uh, so again, thank you very much for all this. Uh, and also with the flotation devices, you want something that can always keep their face out of the water. Uh, so if they were, they always want to roll onto their back as opposed to something that might roll them onto their front where they cannot get their equilibrium and could 
could really just drown face down. So we know that kids can drown in, you know, an inch or two of water. So anytime that nose and the mouth is covered, we have a risk of drowning. So it's important when you go to purchase items, um, read how they're intended to be used. So there may be um, flotation devices that are more used for someone that is in the water doing a water sport like wakeboarding. Um, there are some devices that are used for different types of things. So always make sure you're understanding how that flotation device will keep your child afloat. But most that are, um, you know, if they're U.S. Coast Guard approved, the goal is that as a life-saving device. So again, this is just one of the pieces of the puzzle in those multiple layers of protection. No one thing is ever going to protect our child 100% of the time. So you know, we don't ever want someone to think that just because they've got a flotation device on that there's not a risk that their child could drown because uh, we've got to be within arm's reach of them. If we don't find them and we can't see them, then we're not going to be able to save them here in our area. You know, a lot of our natural bodies of water are are dark. And so if a child slips underneath the water in a river or in our ocean or in a lake, it's very difficult to see them. So, um, you know, we always would just want to make sure the most important thing is having adult supervision within hand's reach of anybody that does not know how to swim. So I always try to tell families, it's really hard for a child to, to drown if I could reach in and grab them and pull them out as soon as they had trouble. It's those momentary laps in supervision, like what you described. Um, most families I talked to did have an experience when it comes to, you know, something that happened with their child that could have been a tragedy if someone hadn't noticed right when they did. And so, you know, some families are um, more fortunate than others when it comes to that. Thank you. We're talking uh, water safety and we're talking with prevention coordinator of Wolfson's Children's Hospital and Safe Kids of Northeast Florida, Jessica Winberry. So Jessica, any final thoughts that you'd like to share uh, regarding water safety today? Absolutely. So just remember, again, our number one thing is making sure we have multiple layers of protection so that we can hopefully recognize that our child is missing. And remember, drowning is not only for little ones. We see people drown at all ages. And so when we're thinking about more of our preteens and our teen populations, we tend to see they are drowning more in those natural bodies of water because they're out uh, maybe with their friends. And so, um, you know, we tend to think about this with our little kids, but we cannot forget our our teens and our preteens that are out in some of these bodies of water or in a pool. So always making sure that kids have access to swim lessons and learn how to swim is going to be one of those really important layers of protection. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jessica, for your insights. These are most helpful. Give us a great understanding of safety in the water, how to have fun in all these bodies of water we have here in Florida. We will put some other resources and websites uh, for further information in our show notes. Please check that out. And we hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Youth Sports Safety Update. The Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program is dedicated to youth sports safety through awareness, advocacy, and prevention. Please share what you've learned and implement to make sports and those who participate safer. One way to make sure your school or sports team is safely prepared is to have a certified licensed athletic trainer. Please subscribe to our podcast, write a review, and search our website at jaxsmp.com. The Youth Sports Safety Update is produced by the Jacksonville Sports Medicine. I'm your host and producer today, Jim Mackey. Please join us again soon, and thank you very much. And stay safe and have fun this summer.